Hello, I'm Nathaniel, and welcome to The Descent into Illumination. So, as always, this is your faithful host, Nathaniel. It is now officially May, so for most of the, of the Northern Hemisphere... Um, I believe this is still late spring, um, but you know, luckily living in Phoenix, Arizona, we're already hitting 100 degrees, so it's already hot. <laughs> so I'm actually recording at uh, about 4:30 in the morning at work later today. I figured and I was up, so I made myself some breakfast, and I figured, you know, Mama, I, I, I didn't, wasn't able to record last week, so I figured I might as well go ahead and uh, get a recording in before I have to go to work. Luckily, my roommate, roommate's not here, so I can be loud as I want to be. Um, no, not necessarily exactly that, but got to be respectful to the neighbors and everything. But I don't think I'm going to be necessarily too extremely loud here. Um, this uh, very beautiful morning, very calm morning, had a good breakfast. I made some um, bacon, some eggs. I think it was over easy. I don't know. I like the yolk. That's one of the biggest transitions I've found going into adulthood that I really like is I really like eggy yolk. And it's weird, I know. I still think it's weird myself, but I really like it. I made some bacon, some toast. Uh, my roommate got some really good toast. It's like this multi-grain thing. There's, I don't know, there's like pumpkin seeds in it and all this other weird stuff, and I really like it. Um, <clears throat> oh, and salsa, of course, you, got, you gotta have some salsa. You gotta have some caliente and some Monterey Jack um, cheese. And my little happy camper. My little happy camper right now. I got a good belly. Well, food. I'm going to go to a concert tonight with my friends, and I'm going to go to work. Hopefully, work goes well. Um, hopefully, you know, make some decent money because, as a human being living in America in 2019, my worth is still determined by my product value. And uh, right now, <laughs> my product value is not exactly great. <laughs> my time isn't valued that much, but I I still value my time a lot higher. But you know, you got to make enough money to get by. But, you know, like I said, it's uh, it's May, and uh, we're getting into this transition of seasons, you know, we're, get, we're getting closer and closer to the summer equinox, um, or I think it's just the summer solstice is the correct way of saying it, um, but, you know, this this time of year, at least in, in the Western Hemisphere, specifically in America, uh, summer is really defined by a... You know, there's this cultural zeitgeist of the, you know, different sports in different seasons. And um, summer sport is my favorite sport. It's baseball. And I figured that's what I am going to be doing today's uh, topic on is what baseball uh, really means to me. Um, I love, I love baseball. Uh, I really didn't, you know, growing up as a kid. I wasn't super into you know any sports. I played baseball. I played sw- I, I swam, I did ice skating, um, a few other things here and there. But you know I, I played softball for a few years. We won you know the little league World Series, not the main one, but you know our local one once, and had a lot of had a, had a lot of fun with it. But you know I was never really into sports as a, as a kid. Um, it just wasn't my thing. Didn't find my passions in it. Not, not, not at all. Not at all. Um, it wasn't actually until my early sobriety. Uh, this would have been within my first year of sobriety. It's after I moved back home with my with my family, and I started going back to 
um, receiving my education. Um, so probably, oof, at the, you know, eight month? No, wait, wait, what would that have been? I would have been, uh, uh, just under, well, honestly, just under a year. So it would have been about 10, 11 months of, you know, I've been sober about this time. So I, you know, kind of understood some of the spiritual principles of my, the recovery program that I work. And one of the big tenets of the recovery program that I work is meditation. Um, and I'm someone who has, you know, done a lot of at least attempts at meditation. I, I, well, I, li- I literally lived in a Buddhist monastery for a month and I did old school, you know, sit up straight, you know, doing the meditation and silence and everything like that. Did a silent week uh, of no speaking, no media or anything like that. And with just meditating the entire time when we weren't eating or doing chores, we were meditating. Um, in these traditional, you know, folded legs in lotus position, um, back arch straight up. I guess that isn't how that works because if you're arching your back straight up, it's not an arch, it's just a straight back. Um, but I did all the traditional meditation stuff, and I had done that before too as well. Um, and I, you know, I tried meditation, my active addiction, and I, you know, I really did meditate in a lot of different ways. Meditation was a very big thing. That's why I still, to this day, have a very special soft for incense. Um, they are one of the most comforting thing for me because they bring me that, ma- they create an environment where my mind is just more at peace and is able to do that seamless focus. That's why it's such a big thing of being able to live on my own again is having um, my incense just going, you know, I really, I honestly burn a stick almost every night um, and, you know, kind of create my safe little refuge place. And it's a really, really important thing for me. Um, but... This was, again, I had gone back to, going back to where I'm going to go with baseball here and everything like that, is um, I had, you know, just under a year of sobriety, you know, and I was unable to, you know, really find huge success in traditional meditation of sitting upright, sitting in silence for 30 minutes, an hour, two hours, however long, even, you know, five minutes, hell. Um, For me, I do a very... The meditation that's most traditional like that is I um, uh, really just turn off all the lights and just kind of lay there and just kind of let my thoughts go through the process and everything like that and practice detachment from them. That's that. That's the really and that's something I did in my early recovery when I was living sober living. That was and that was really um, uh, frowned upon actually. My sober living, I got in trouble for it repeatedly because you know, in all honesty, I'd fall asleep sometimes. And uh, they were like, you're just sleeping and everything like that. I'm like, I mean, yes, I did fall asleep, but this is also a meditation, you know, trying to deal with the thoughts and everything like that and the racing and just let them detach them from them. It's really the process I had with them. So, I mean, part of it was me trying to sleep some more. Part of it was me trying to meditate some more. You know, how much of each was, I don't know, but it was uh, definitely got me into trouble once or twice in sober living. Like, you're sleeping all day. I'm like, maybe, but have you ever considered that I'm also meditating? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, wee-wee, no, 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 okay, no, not at all. Oh, oh God, oh, God. Um, and I was really kind of, ser- you know, I wasn't even searching for a meditation technique, honestly, at this point in my life. I thought I was, you know, pretty content just trying to do the work that was in front of me. And, you know, the work that was in front of me was doing my homework for school and, you know, when I wasn't at work. And... 
you know, I was just living back in my parents' house at this time period, and I would turn on the TV, you know, when I would be doing my homework, you know, I'd be studying and everything like that. And when you're, you know, you're not really searching for something to get fully undivided attention engrossed in. Um, when you're doing homework, obviously, you know, I'm trying to read or I'm trying to write a paper or whatever you have. And, um, you know, I can't watch necessarily, you know, like Avengers Endgame in that, you know, while doing that and something that needs my undivided attention or anything like that. No, no, I don't know. Or, you know, any pick your favorite movie, you know, How's Moving Castle for me or Nacho Libre, which actually had become very similar to baseball. But in the time, you know, it wasn't necessarily like that. So I actually just put on my Arizona Dimebags. I would, um, you know, just to keep keep up with it you know this was a year this was the year that we first got uh, a pitcher named Zach Granke who first of all if you don't know who Zach Granke is you are missing out this is a dude who is my hero for the single fact that he is my type of baseball player he is a super analytical guy knows more about the batter than the batter does and he's also like suffered seriously from social anxiety disorder um I believe is what it was I don't want to misdiagnose him but I believe he suffers from some form of um, social anxiety and literally sat out a season because of it I and mean, he's like i needed to get the treatment i need for this and this was just too much for me and so i applaud the dude for that um and he's just a weird dude in the best way possible because uh and you know in a lot of ways my hero and this is one who is basically was the best pitcher in the american league one year won the cy young award um for it and this was the first year we had acquired him and this was under a manager who's no longer a manager with us anymore because we really didn't do well that year but uh I would just put on the baseball, you know, just, you know, as a casual fan, just put on the baseball team and I would do my homework. Wasn't an initial thing, though, where I ended up realizing what I was doing. I was I was creating this kind of safe place for me to do this singleness of focus. And this is really what kind of started to truly remaster my understanding of what meditation meant to me. So what it started out was me just putting my homework on, and you know, luckily baseball is a, is a slow sport. So for anyone who doesn't know what baseball is, basically what it is is baseball is this game that you play where there's two teams. Obviously, there's the offense and the defense, and they rotate in between, and it's done through innings. There's traditionally nine innings in a baseball game, but it can go extra. Um, there is this ball that fits in about the palm of your hand that the defense actually has and throws to itself, and the offense. Um, is the one trying to hit that ball and score runs. Um, the goal of the game is to score the most runs. And this can actually, and baseball can be a very slow sport. And that's one of the reasons why I absolutely love it. Is that through nine innings, you know, a game can go two and a half, three hours. And you might not have a single <laughs> bit of uh, offensively exciting pieces the entire time. And so you can get this real quiet feel to it. And so for me, it was this thing when I was, you know, you know, I'm going back to school I'm in very early sobriety and I'm really struggling, you know, to find any peace at all. And what I was able to do in these situations was I was able to find that sense of calm and just be in the moment. You know, I'm someone whose mind is racing 10,000 miles a minute. Oh, I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to blah, 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 blah. And it was, it's still something to this day, yeah, at times I struggle with, but you know, through constant work and effort and acceptance and all these different tools that I use, I've gotten a lot better at it about being here present in the moment. And honestly, baseball is one of the things that's actually really helped me with that.
And so in my early spring, you know, I'm doing my homework and I just have this baseball game on and, you know, I'm able to kind of go at this uh, non-pressured pace. Because the good thing about, at least still to this day, um, about baseball is uh, there is no time limit. You, the game goes as long as the game goes. And if a pitcher is doing really good, it's the guy who throws the ball. Um, you know, that game can be over in two and a half hours. But if there's an offensive thing, it can go on forever. Um, there is no time clock. You know, there is no, um, this game is over at this point. No, the game is over when you beat yourself or you beat the other team. Um, and so I was able to kind of have this thing on and really do my homework and kind of, you know, have a pace where I'd be able to look up every once in a while and watch it. Or if I hit a, heard a, um, a crack of the bat, I'd be able to look up and see what play happened, everything like that. And, you know, follow along and everything like that. But without this pressure, I was able to find, you know, a comfort release. And not necessarily, a, it wasn't an escape. That's the cool thing about it. It was, it was this moment where I was able to actually focus and just be present and do the work that was in front of me. Or if I finished my work early, just sit there and watch the rest of the game or, um, or uh, just, you know, finish my homework after the game. If my homework was taking too long and everything like that, there wasn't that time commitment. There wasn't that pressure. But I was able to kind of create this environment in this sense where I was able to be at peace and actually have that moment. So that's my initial love with baseball. It was just this accidental thing that I had on to do my homework. And it honestly brought me the sense of just presence and the singleness of focus that I'm able to just to be in this moment. And originally it started with me just as a homework tool, like I said, and being able to do my homework, but eventually it turned into this full on love affair. And so the next transition that really happened with that was, you know, I started listening to it. So listening to baseball. So baseball is, you know, being such a so such a slow sport. Um, that the radio broadcast of it is really this its own art form in many ways, and the color analyst and the the play caller of the of of the team, um, it's really this um, art form because in baseball, you know, it's not as old as America, but it goes back you know over a hundred years into you know the eighteen you know re- realistically older, but the eighteen eighties really starts seeing the, a lot of the. Uh, professionalization and the the moving from a pastoral to kind of a city kind of thing really in the 1900s you really start seeing that but you start seeing that in the early 1880s as well and so you see this growing up with radio actually and so this commentation of baseball really becomes its own art form and because you know with it being such a slow sport it's uh, how do you hold someone's attention that long? You know, if you're just sitting there in silence, you know, the average consumer is going to be like, this fucking sucks and is boring. You know, <laughs> no, you need to have some, some uh, color to it. And, you know, the ability for the color analyst to describe and create this narrative. Um, it's honestly my favorite art form. Um, I'm into a lot of very different forms of art, but, and I'm obviously, you know, it's to some extent an audiophile, and I really actually attribute baseball and podcasts to that. And to be able to create this narrative that just holds you on the gas of your breath um, is this thing that I find so much absolute joy and passion in. 
So what I would end up doing is I'd always start making a point that when my Diamondbacks were playing, I would listen to them to if I had the ability to. You know, obviously life happens and I can't catch every moment of every game and some games I miss. Um, you know, if I'm having, you know, lunch with my dad or I have to be in class or something like that, you know, there's priorities there and I have to do that. But luckily, you know, a lot of baseball games are night games. So what I'm able to do is I'm able to go back into that meditative space in my, in my bed or my room or wherever I'm at, sit down and just listen. That was the next transition. It went away from just doing it with my homework on in the background to just listening and enjoying the game. And this really did two, I want to say two major things, but it did a lot of things for me, actually. One, it broke away from, it made me stop. It made me break away from every day, the chaos of the no. life. And it made me stop and do one thing. Um, I stopped, you know, I, I would still, what if I was doing homework and doing everything like that, still have it on the background. But when I would just lay down at night in bed or um, on a Wednesday afternoon with the day game, you know, just sitting outside and listening to the game or going to the game, you know, maybe just enjoying and just doing that. This was really that first concept of me of just doing one thing at a time. And that's still to this day the meditation form I practice the most. It's just a singleness of focus. And I would just listen to the game. I wouldn't necessarily work. I would, you know, sometimes I wouldn't talk to people. Sometimes I would make it into a true meditation and just let go of my thoughts and just listen. And it was able to finally have that mental detachment that I've been searching for in so many other forms of meditation and everything like that. And I was able to really kind of find that peace and that, you know, even if it was just listening to a game for 15 minutes and not being able to catch the whole game, but at 15 minutes, I was just listening to my baseball. You know, ideally, I'm listening to the whole game, so that's two and a half hours, three and a half hours um, of just listening to that from first pitch to not, you know, rarely does that ever happen where I'm able just to sit through an entire baseball game and just enjoy a baseball game and you know i still to this day practice if i'm watching or listening to a baseball game i really you know try not to like message people or be on my phone and everything like that and just especially if i'm listening listening is still my favorite way of uh enjoying it and i really try to you know be off my phone and or be off any other distractions and just have that single focus and you know it's still once in a blue moon i'm able to get that enjoyment where i'm able just to sit there and listen and you know none of the rest of life you know lack of better terms matters i'm just there listening to my baseball i'm able to hear this beautiful in my opinion uh narrative that's created by the color analyst and the, the broadcaster and i'm really able to enjoy it to a, a, a level that is for me truly ecstatic and a, med a meditation because, you know, again, you know, it's it's that for the for at least that little brief time that I'm able just to be there, be present. I'm just in the moment. I am just there and I am not worried about what's happening five minutes from now, a year from now or whatever. I'm just simply enjoying a baseball game. And that is such an interesting thing for me to think about that some professional sport, a game. And it is a game. Um, can't forget that. Some amazing, talented athletes who've developed, and, and so many people who've devoted their lives to this thing. But in the end, it's entertainment and it's a game. And I'm able to find this just 
singleness of focus with it and that really is and i can trace that how you know when i'm at work i'm just trying to be at work or if i'm talking to someone i'm just trying to talk to someone or if i'm with someone just trying to be with someone all these attempts of just being present in the moment i can really trace back that into my at least in my sobriety the real big kickstarter for that was listening and watching a baseball game now I had, you know, because of me, I have to overthink everything and I have to overanalyze and try to understand everything and to really understand why was it that it was baseball of all things that I connected with the most? What was it about this American pastime that I loved? And it really boils down to, you know, a a few different things. One, there's that slow element to it. It's not something that is these... uh, you know, it's not like basketball or hockey that's up and down, up and down, up and down, and up and down. You know, traditionally speaking, at least, it's this thing where it's the this very slow-paced play. And, but there is that opportunity for that quick excitement. You know, a home run, a grand slam, a 20-strikeout performance, a perfect game, um, this explosive potential and offense and that rush of a feeling and emotion is like a serotonin rush for me in a lot of ways um where i'm like fucking load me up with that dopamine and that serotonin and that excitement you get the chill down your spine and everything like that but that's the exception not the norm and that's why i think i really have that appreciation for it so i get this uh you know these spikes of rushes in a lot of ways that really is it's enticing it's you know it's an elixir in a lot of ways that luckily it's not you know like meth and a dangerous elixir in my opinion but it's an elixir nonetheless um not only that though is baseball is math everything that has gone into analytics over the years of data collection and everything like that baseball has really embraced it and I'm someone who's a defense over an offense guy, so I love knowing all the different types of pitches, and uh, I would much rather have a 20 strikeout performance than a four home run performance from a player. Um, I'd rather see uh, a perfect game than an offensive slaughter. Um, I am, and just as, you know, in theory, you should be able to hit a fastball. A fastball, you know, it's going even just 93 miles per hour, you know, going how uh, it's, it's 90, it's 90 feet to first base. So it's like 45 feet or whatever. Your brain just doesn't, shouldn't be able to register and to hit it. And the fact that we're able, that players are able to hit a fastball like that, you know, approaching 107 miles per hour at some points, I don't know what the fastest pitch of ever, but I know that someone has hit 107 this year. Um, I love that. And then, you know, these defensive shifts that are happening and that, you know, uh, player X will hit it most likely to right field, you know, 33% of the time. So they do the shift over to it and everything like that. Or this or player X really struggles at hitting curveballs. So we're going to give him nothing but off speeds pitches and just going to barrel him with curveballs and everything like that. I love these analytics that go into it and that. You know, you, it really started with the Oakland A's back, um, you know, before well, before I was alive when they won all their world championships um, in the World Series. Um, and that this there's this math element to baseball, and it's so integral with the game now. Is I love it because you know, realistically, you know, you can break down life into life is just math. Life is just a bunch of different chemical reactions. My perceiving 
of uh, you know when I eat food, it, you know it's just different chemical reactions occurring in my body. Um, when I listen to sound, it's the vibrations that are being processed in my brain and everything like that. So I, I love that this personification of life within baseball is just it's just math. It's just you know all these different things. Um, I, you know, that makes my inner nerd happy, and that's why I love playing fantasy baseball because I love learning all the math and all the statistics, and I love having that information about these players, and that really uh, is a rewarding thing for me. Um, because it just that's how my brain likes to think. It's like, oh, this makes sense. So if if you're going to go up to the plate statistically four times a game, and you're statistically going to get a hit out of one every three times, well, that in theory means that you should be able to produce X amount of RBIs and all these different things. I love just that thought process because that's exactly how my brain wants to work. It wants to be able to think, oh, if this X Y Z, if you do X plus Y, you should equal Z. But in reality, just as in baseball. That's not what happens, you know. Sometimes someone hit goes four for four. Sometimes someone goes zero for four, and there's this thing, momentum and energy and all these things have to go. In, all these different factors go into it. But you know, there's that principle, and I like that principle. And then I like the execution of the reality of it as well. And another thing is, is I love the history. I am a history nut in so many different ways, and I love being able to go back and you can compare players from over a hundred years ago to players today and you know that's the thing about players today is they always live in the ghost of these players that lived over a hundred years ago and like Ty Cobb, uh, Satchel Paige, Satchel Paige is in my opinion the best baseball player of all time and it's this um, individual who played in the Negro League for um, most of his career and was just devastatingly good. He was probably the best pitcher of all time, at least I believe he was the best pitcher of all time. There's a lot of uh, numbers that you can just say well, what ifs, you know, if, especially if the Negro League never existed um you know and he was an integration would have happened sooner you know he would it, he was pitching into his 40s um just devastatingly like you know when integration finally did happen which was long overdue and really frustrating because baseball started integrated and then you know hey people are racist and racism does happen and it's something that uh we need to continue to work to move past um but I just love, love that, you know, and then so you're comparing like Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer is a pitcher today who is arguably one of the best in the game, arguably one of the best in all of the game. And, you know, but you could compare them to these legends um, like uh, Walter Johnson, another another entirely amazing player. And, you know, they both play for the Washington team, two very different Washington teams. But you compare those two because they're just both strikeout machines and everything like that. Was he as good as Walter Johnson? I don't know. I, you, know, you don't know these things. You know, Walter Johnson did when brought Washington their only pennant that they've ever had. Um, and all these different things. And I love, love, love that. Because you see baseball grow with the culture that I was born into. At least American culture. Whatever the hell that is. You know, trying to try to define what American culture is. But it is that unique thing where you can point out oh, this is American culture. And you see this growing with it as they move from a pastoral to a city game back to a pastoral game you see these uh you know amazing characters you know you have babe ruth ty cobb lou gary who personify different elements of america you have ty cobb who's uh, you know blue collar racist motherfucker um who's just you know exemplifies a hothead white american dude um, then you have, you know, sons of Italian immigrants and like Lou Gehrig and all these different people, uh, or Joe DiMaggio, sorry. Um, and that resemplify, you know, what it means to be a, you know, a New Yorker. And then you get the occasional, um, 
he likes Sandy Koufax and you know you get this ability to be this uh, this growing of this Jewish dominance and everything like that uh, even though he wasn't the first Jew American uh, baseball player to ever root for but you know and then you have this elements of uh, now Japan and Korea baseball players are really making a difference that really started um, you know with that one kid from the Seattle Mariners you know who's able with Ichiro who's able to be just a hitting machine imagine what he would have done if he would have had all of his years in um, the MLB instead of um, lighting up the Japanese league he did and you have this you know you have Cuban refugees you know Cuban just great baseball players coming and escaping um, you know negative conditions in Cuba and you know looking for residency here and then you have the people from the Dominican Republic and everything like that just you have this influence of all these different cultures and this world becomes more of a global sport baseball is becoming more of this global thing then you have like i said once you have the integration with jackie robinson and you have um the influence of the um the, what the negro league was and then um the end of that you know because they you know as much as integration was good is you lost something really amazing um and unique in the negro league that um you know um George Foster talks about that, you know, it was never the same afterwards um, once you had the integration uh, and, you know, they lost their own thing, you know, which it goes back to those concepts of agency. I don't want to talk about what was right or wrong with those things and everything like that because I'm definitely a huge fan of integration. I think that's what it should have been, but I understand that element to it as well. And you just have this. And it's this living history that still goes to this day. And you see this crosscut of American culture, global culture now. You're in, you know, being able to go to a baseball game in Taiwan to see how it was done so different. It was it was a completely different game than I went and saw, you know, um, with the crowd and everything like that. But it was so but it was the same exact sport at the same time. And it was so cool. And then you can go back and you can the thing that why baseball is really haunted by its superior ghosts is because you can go back to 100 years and you're still playing essentially the same exact sport that you're playing today when you play baseball. And you can't really say that about a lot of the other sports, at least. You know, with chess you can, I mean, all the things like that. But at least when it comes to um, professional, I, I don't want to dis disparage anyone who is going through any of other one things like that because that's not true. Those are very hard skills and those are all professional sports in their own right. But um, and then for, in terms of at least... In, the, in American culture, the four main major um, professional sports, there's nothing like that historical um, element to it. And I am enthralled with that because I love history. I, I really do. I love history. And that's why I love baseball. Because of, it embodies certain things about me. It was uh, something that I wasn't expecting that was able to they turn into one of the most valuable tools in my life. It taught me how to go slow and just be here and just do one thing, which I still struggle with, you know, that's okay. But I've gotten a hell of a lot better. It taught me how to just be here, which is a gift that I cannot, you know, you're supposed to go to a guru on a Tibetan mountain to be able to find that. I found it from listening to a baseball game. And what I guess I'm trying to say was that is be open to life. with Because you're not sure what's going to teach you a lesson. I never would have once thought that it would be baseball that would teach me this lesson. But hey, it was. 
And then it helped me realize some other of my passions, you know, it helped me really understand what it meant to be an audiophile and that I love looking at this world in an analytic way. And which is really weird because I'm definitely someone who's uh, in a lot of ways ruled by my emotions, but really I'm very analytical too at the same time and really come to kind of terms and accept that. And then this history element, I just love history. And you can see this cross-cut culture with it. I mean, and, and dive into it and everything like that. You never know what your passions are going to be. And I never once thought my passion growing up as a kid would be baseball. Like, yeah, baseball's cool. I like it, but, you know, that's about it. And then it turned into this thing where, oh, I'm always rooting for my D-backs. But I also really just appreciate the sport for the sport. I do really, I really just, I'm a, I'm a fan of baseball. I have my favorite team, don't get me wrong, but I'm a fan of baseball. Like, in my opinion, the Pittsburgh Pirates have the best hat of all time. Uh, I love their... The, it's a yellow bucket cap thing, um, or engineer cap thing, and I love it. I think it's so cool. Oh, so, so cool. Um, uh, I want that hat. I do want that hat. <laughs> I really want that hat. I like that hat a lot. Um, but it's, it's finding these passions in life, and... It's being open to them, and it's being open to the lessons that they're trying to teach you. I never would have thought that baseball would be that first thing for me to realize, oh, this is something that seemingly is just super mundane, but is this powerful lesson. And it really did help me on that liminal transition. Uh, It provided that individual crossroads for me into understanding that. And for that, I'm forever grateful for. That's an amazing, amazing gift. And I'm very, very, very grateful for that. So just keep your mind open. You, know, you never know what's going to teach you a lesson in life. You never know where you're going to find your passion in. You never know what's going to be able to give you that momentary reprieve. And you're able to find just, I'm just here in the moment. And that is okay. You are wonderful. You will be okay, even if things are not okay. And as always, you are loved. Thank you for listening to the Descent into Illumination podcast. Feel free to email me at thedescentinto at gmail.com. Please follow me on Twitter at intothedescent. Thank you very much again for listening. Please remember that you are loved, you are not alone, and that you are worth it.